Welcome to Time After Time, a non-sponsored, highly judgmental podcast about time travel and love and friendship and the movies that bring them together into our living rooms. I'm Helena and I'm Paige. And maybe in an alternate timeline, you've already listened to this podcast and you loved it. Let's go. Should we open with a song again? Yeah, sure. Time may change me, but I can't change time. It's time to pod, podcast time. Hi, hi. Hi, 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 listeners, um, time slots, people of Duloc. Yes. <laughs> Welcome to Duloc, it's a perfect place. Here we have some rules, let us lay them down. Paige, why are we talking about Duloc? Um, I mean, besides the fact that it's a Friday? Yes, besides... <laughs> Friday's Duloc Day. You're right, I'm sorry, I forgot I forgot we decided that. But also, we are so excited today. Today we could talk about our favorite big green scary ogre man... Shrek forever after. Shrek forever after. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the tagline is, it ain't ogre till it's ogre. That's really good. That's a really good tagline. Yeah. As you can probably already tell by our delight at being able to talk about this, we had a really good time. Shrek has put us in a very good mood. Yes. In fact, we were just watching uh, Shrek 2 to get in the mood to record this. Um, it's been a while for yeah. both of us. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's still a delight. Um, we recommend, uh, going through all of the Shrek movies if you haven't done so. I also hadn't seen the fourth one. I had not either. Shrek was really important to me as a kid. Yeah. It was one of our like three DVDs. Well, similarly, I, uh, I think I might've talked about this in the pod before. Maybe it got cut though. Shrek, my, my dad never like went to the movies with us cause he always, he was a channel flipper, so he hated, like, sitting in movies. He took me... I distinctly remember there are two movies that my dad took me to see. <laughs> One was Cheaper by the Dozen, because <laughs> he really liked Steve Martin. A Steve Martin classic. Yeah. And the second one was Shrek 2, because he really liked the first one. That's great. Yeah. Um, but I had some gastrointestinal distress during the film and annoyed him because I kept like scooting past to like go back and forth to the bathroom. Wow. Gross. Sorry, listeners. Yeah. I was 2004. I was 11. Actually, no, I wasn't even 11 yet. I was 10. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> well, I don't have any such memories of Shrek. I just... It was one of your three DVDs. It was just one of... I, I don't have any such specific memories. It's just... I watched it a lot because it was one of... We had Shrek. We had Singing in the Rain. And I think the two-disc Sound of Music. Mm. So that should really give you a sense of, like, what my cultural uh, point of reference is for all things. It's funny. I remember we had the two VHS Sound of Music. Ooh, vintage. Yeah. I don't know why they needed to put... Um, the Sound of Music on two DVDs. I think it's still like DVDs could only take so much info. That seems crazy to me. I'm sure the second one also had a lot of like special features. I bet it's usually did. when I feel like there was a big phase where they we bought you bought DVDs and it was two discs. The first one was just like the movie, and the second one was like 
the director's commentary Man, and behind I love the scenes a special and feature. like deleted scenes. You're right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I have very specific memories of uh, getting all the Friends seasons on DVD, mm-hmm. and the four. It was always four discs, and the fourth disc always had all the special features, and I, I loved I loved watching those. I remember the in the last in the tenth season one. Uh, they talked all the their guest stars were talking about being on the show, um, including Paul Rudd, who was there for most of the ninth and tenth season as as Phoebe's love interest. And I have a very specific memory of being like too young to understand this this sort of joking because he said something like, "Wow, like he's like the guy. They were all awful to me. They did not welcome me. They peed in all my food." Ah! And I remember being like, "My friends." <laughs> And now looking back, I'm like, oh, no, he was kidding, or they wouldn't have put that in. <laughs> not my friends. Not my friends. Ross and Joey and Chandler? They would never. My friends? Should we uh, summarize the plot of, of Shrek Forever After for these folks? Yes. Um, and since this is the first time we're doing a movie that is a sequel, or a, a, a fourth quel, in case you've made the mistake of not seeing the first three... First of all, how dare you? <laughs> Second of all, probably just pause this and go watch them. Yeah, Third why all, not? <laughs> if you don't want to do that, we will love you in spite of your flaws, and we will recap the first three real quick before getting into our more detailed plot summary of Shrek Forever After. we got to get you into the world of Shrek. Yes, there's a lot of... There are a lot of plot points that you won't understand if you haven't It's seen actually the first true. Three. It is important to know uh, kind of what's happening in the world of Shrek. Yeah. We first meet Shrek, voiced by Mike Myers, as a loner of an ogre, feared by the townspeople and content to live far away from everyone in his swamp. Unfortunately, Lord Farquaad, John Lithgow, banishes all the land... It was John Lithgow? I didn't even realize that. Banishes all the land's fairy tale creatures and sends them to live in Shrek's swamp. Actually, I will interrupt for a quick fun fact that didn't make it into my fun facts. John Lithgow always thought one of the reasons he was cast as Lord Farquaad, who is... Not- notably very very short is because he's like super six five. Tall. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's funny um anyway so lord farquaad says he will only make them make them leave like make the fairy tale characters leave if shrek goes to rescue rescue princess fiona voiced by cameron diaz who he wants to marry and who was locked in a tower guarded by a dragon shrek and a talking donkey named donkey voiced by eddie murphy in inarguably the best role of his career the best work he's ever done inarguably (laughs) they rescue the princess with donkey and the fire breathing dragon that was guarding her falling in love in the process on their hijinks filled journey back to lord farquaad against all odds princess fiona and shrek begin to bond and fall in love donkey also learns that fiona is cursed and turns into an ogre every night and the curse will only be broken by true love's first kiss eventually Shrek, Donkey, and Dragon interrupt Lord Farquaad and Fiona's marriage ceremony. Dragon eats Farquaad, and Shrek and Fiona kiss. It turns out this true love's kiss makes Fiona a full-time ogre, but Shrek thinks she's hot anyway. Also, Shrek seems to have embraced all the weird fairy tale creatures living in his swamp. And then we sing I'm a Believer. Yeah, we do, and it's great. <laughs> we open movie number two with a brand new character, Prince Charming, who is attempting to rescue Princess Fiona, but she's no longer in the tower. She's on her honeymoon with Shrek. 
After the honeymoon, Shrek and Fiona head to Fiona's hometown of Far, Far Away, where Fiona's royal parents, a.k.a. John Cleese and Julie Andrews, are shocked to discover that they are actually ogres. Also, Prince Charming and his mom, the fairy godmother, are scheming to break Shrek and Fiona up so she can be with Prince Charming. Hijinks, blackmail, and magic ensue. Fiona's dad puts out a hit on Shrek. Uh, Shrek and Donkey have a hot girl summer. And... (laughs) Very good. (laughs) And that was my edit, thank you. And Prince Charming gets shut down by Fiona. Eventually, Fiona tells Shrek that she loves his ogre self and all is well. Oh, also, Fiona's dad gets turned into a frog, but it's fine. Don't think about it too hard. Yeah, also, uh, you cut out the introduction of Antonio Banderas as Puss in Boots. Oh, yeah. Okay, should I go back? (laughs) No, no, no. I need the audience to know that at some point during that movie... Puss in Boots is introduced as a character, and he's voiced by Antonio Banderas. Yes. We move on to Shrek the Third, where Shrek and Fiona are trying to play king and queen while the real king, a.k.a. Fiona's talking frog dad, a.k.a. John Cleese, is dying. Shrek really doesn't want to have to take over as king once king talking frog dies, so he sets off with Donkey to find the next in line for the crown, Fiona's cousin, Arthur. Right before he leaves, Fiona tells him she is pregnant, which freaks Shrek out since his father tried to eat him, so he thinks ogres are bad fathers. They find Arthur, who turns out to be Justin Timberlake, and Shrek has to take care of him and convince him he can be king. Prince Charming tries to usurp once again, but Shrek takes care of that and already becomes king, and all this makes Shrek think he can be a dad. The movie ends with Shrek and Fiona taking care of newborn triplets. Okay, we're finally at Shrek Forever After, the subject of this episode. We open with a flashback. Fiona's parents, Julie Andrews and the man who would become the talking frog and then die, are trying to figure out a way to save their daughter from the tower. Remember that from the first movie? They are about to sign away their kingdom to achieve this in a bad deal with Rumpelstiltskin when they get word that Fiona has been rescued. Good timing, first movie Shrek. They don't sign the deal, and Rumpelstiltskin is furious. We move to modern day, which picks up where the third movie left off, Fiona and Shrek caring for their triplet ogres, living with Donkey and Dragon, who are also caring for their mutant Donkey Dragon babies. At first, Shrek seems happy, but domestic life seems to wear on him. This is only exacerbated by the fact that now he is an unscary celebrity and tour buses drive past his house and no one is scared of him. He laments his days of personal freedom, solitude, and being super scary, or a quote-unquote real ogre. He has a meltdown at his kid's first birthday party, as witnessed by a now poor and disgraced Rumpelstiltskin. Rumpelstiltskin lures Shrek to his house and offers to send him back to one day in time before he rescued Fiona. Time travel! Where he can take a break from his family and be a scary ogre again. Shrek asks what the catch is, and Rumpel says he just needs to take a day in return, just a random day from his childhood that Shrek wouldn't remember anyway. Shrek agrees and is sent back in time to his pre-Fiona life. At first, he's enjoying himself, but then he sees wanted pictures of Fiona as an ogre, and he's like, WTF. Then he gets captured by some witches and brought to Far, Far Away, which is now a dystopian dictatorship run by Rumpelstiltskin and his horde of witches that use ogres as slaves. Donkey is pulling the witch's carriage, but does not recognize Shrek at all. Shrek is like, this is weird, but at least it's just for one day. And Rumpelstiltskin is like, actually, you gave up the day you were born. So when 24 hours of this day expires, you will cease to exist. (laughs) Shrek escapes and takes Donkey with him. Donkey reveals all of Rumpelstiltskin's deals have escape clauses. And after some weird origami, they realize the escape clause on this one is true love's kiss. Duh. Every time, it's true love's kiss. Shrek realizes he needs to find Fiona, and luckily, ogres try to capture Donkey for food, and they end up discovering a whole underground rebellion society of ogres, including John Hamm, Jane Lynch, and Craig Robinson. 
Turns out the rebellion is led by super hot warrior ogre Fiona, who has no interest in talking to Shrek. She has bigger fish to fry and also no interest in love after no one rescued her from the tower. They do bond while training together, but stop short of kissing. Puss in Boots, who is now a fat house cat kept as a pet by Fiona, encourages Shrek to keep trying. While the rebellion tries to take down Rumple, they are all captured by the Pied Piper, but Shrek, Fiona, Donkey, and Puss escape. Shrek tries to convince Fiona that kissing him will fix everything, so she does, but nothing happens because she doesn't love him yet. Shrek hears that Rumple is now offering a free wish to anyone who turns Shrek in, so Shrek turns himself in and all and is all, now I get the wish, ha ha ha. He wishes for all the ogres to be freed in exchange for Rumple keeping him locked up. Once he's locked away, Rumple reveals that he also has Fiona locked up. Because if you remember from the first movie, she's not a full ogre. She can only turn into an ogre at night, so she actually doesn't count when he says he freed all the ogres. Wow, a lot of technicalities in this movie. Yeah, my god. <laughs> Luckily, Donkey, Puss, and the freed ogres storm the castle, defeating the witches and capturing Rumple. The sun is coming up, signaling the end of the 24 hours, so Shrek begins to fade from existence. Fiona kisses him, having now fallen in love with him due to his selfless acts, and for a second, it seems like it's too late, but then she takes love's true form as an ogre again, and the alternate timeline begins to disintegrate around them. Shrek ends up back at his infant's first birthday party with a newfound appreciation for his life and loved ones. In a post credit scene, we see he and Fiona have found community with more ogres and are living happily ever after. Woo, we did it! <laughs> So she said, what's the problem, baby? What's the problem? I don't know. Well, maybe I'm in love, love. Think about it every time I think about it. Can't stop thinking about it. Uh. Anyway, that's an excerpt from the Shark 2 soundtrack. <laughs> we'll be doing excerpts from the Shark 2 soundtrack as uh, transitions this episode. <laughs> also, probably we'll sprinkle some Shrek the Musical. Yeah, definitely. Uh, anyway, that brings us to... Blast from the past. Wow, I'm excited for this one. Okay. Can't wait to hear what you have to tell me. So here's the thing. It was like, do I look up trivia for just the fourth one or for the whole the whole Shrek saga? Mm -hmm. I just, I tried to not make it endless, right? Because I feel like when you start looking at like animation production, you could just go down a rabbit hole. Definitely. Like we're also, not going to talk about uh, like the technical, like, there were so many facts that were like, this is the first movie that was on 14 colon 1 instead of, yeah, I don't know any, I'm making up numbers. Yeah, you know. yeah, no, definitely. Um, also, that there was a lot of that in the special features on the Shrek 1 DVD. Wow. So, wow, wow. I can't tell you what they were, but I do remember being like, wow, Shrek is amazing technology. It, yeah, it's, it is funny, because it, or actually, if I'm, I don't know if I put this in here, because again, it's not that interesting, but... Part of the reason that they put Fiona's hair in a braid is because, uh, like, when they made the first one, not, like, hair was they too hard to have, animate. They couldn't do hair. But that if was you notice, the special features. <laughs> but in this movie, her hair is down. They put her hair down because they can do her hair. The other thing they couldn't do. Also, it was meant to look sort of like Joan Jett's hair, I believe. I mean, she looked great. Yeah. Let's be anyway. let's be honest. She looked amazing. Um, the other thing uh, that I learned from the special features on the DVD that I remember distinctly was that uh, the time period of dress that they were trying to put Fiona in, she would have had a sleeve, like bell sleeves. Uh, that's but they didn't much. want to deal with that. No. They were like, mm-mm. Great. 
Cool. Also, what time period is it? Well, they Why were did, like, we picked a time period. Yeah, they picked they picked like a like a period in medieval history to be like this is where all the clothes are going to like sort of be based on. But why didn't they just pick a different period? Because she's like the main character. They should just pick it around her, and there's it's not well, a real time. I think they time. wanted like a specific look. Okay. Whatever. I don't know. They liked they liked elements of the look, and if they were being exactly historical, it would have had bell sleeves. So they were, they were like, talking donkey, fine. <laughs> Slight alteration to the dresses of a certain medieval style. Uh, too much for the audience. They will not. Well, they did do it. It's yeah. not like they didn't do it. They were but just I like. But like, there was a thing. Like, they couldn't just be like, hey, it's, they dress sort of like this time period, but not really because it's like a magical land of make-believe where there are talking animals. They were like. The audience will need to be needs to be grounded in one era of fashion. Yeah, of course, and also no black people, unless they're a donkey. There are a lot of green people. Not the same. <laughs> don't don't go down that road, Paige. Fun road. Anyway, all right. So we haven't actually gotten in at all. No, we months. haven't. Mm-mm. Okay. Basically, uh, DreamWorks said that every Shrek film took roughly twice the CPU hours, that which means like animating, rendering, yeah, 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 than the previous film, and labeled this as Shrek's law, similar oh. to Moore's law. The Shrek's law says the CPU render hours needed to complete production on a theatrical sequel will double compared to the amount of time needed on the previous film. So every film got. Longer and longer. I mean, they didn't have to do that. Yeah. That also, seems like a thing that they decided to do. Yeah, they were like, she needs to have long, flowing hair in yeah. this fourth you, one. They didn't have to do that. Also, as this movie, the one we're doing, Shrek mm-hmm. Forever is essentially about a crisis in Shrek and Fiona's marriage, the production team actually consulted with various marriage counselors about how the character should best act. Oh, that's cool. I like that. Yeah. Um, and also, this is technically from the first one, but still applies because there's mud baths in this one. Mm-hmm. The effects department actually took mud mud showers to de- to study how to realistically portray mud in the film. <laughs> That's kind of fun. I Dream feel really works. bad for the PAs or whoever had to clean that up later. That sucks. <laughs> Casting. This is where we get to talk about your favorite part of the whole movie. Mike Mitchell, the director, voiced quite a few parts throughout the film, mm-hmm. including the person who is credited as Butter Pants. Oh, I love Butterpants so much. Butterpants is a, a small child who is bothering Shrek at his children's first birthday party to, quote unquote, do the roar <laughs> uh, that Shrek is famous for. And I'm going to insert an audio clip here so you can just hear what great voice acting this is. Please enjoy. Excuse me, Mr. Shrek, could you do that ogre roar of yours for my son? He's a big, big fan. Do the roar. You know, I'd rather not. It's my kid's birthday party. Do the roar. Okay, we're back. Um, it's, it, it's just delightful. And it, it is it makes me laugh so many times. Time. Yeah, it happens so many times throughout the scene, and really we were, we were rolling over with laughter. Would you like to do your impression of it? Do the rock. <laughs> Never are. <laughs> it's very good. Um, also, just a fun fact: Butterpants' father is voiced by Ryan Seacrest. For no reason. <laughs> for what reason? He has like yeah. two lines. He was just like, "Can I come? Can I come hang out?" It's insane. Um, the flute solos played by the Pied Piper were played by Jeremy Steig. I think that's how you pronounce it. I think it's Steig. Steig, 
who is a well-known jazz flutist, and he's also the son of William Steig, who wrote the Shrek books that this mo- the movies are based on. How fun. Yeah. That's nice. He's like, guess what, Dad? Taylor R. <laughs> Um, okay, I think mean, we could just talk about, like, the OG Shrek Fiona casting was supposed mm-hmm. to be Chris Farley and Janine Garofalo. Oh! Yeah. Wow. Um. That would have been amazing. Chris Farley died. Right. Had He had done some test, tests separate, but, so there is, if you go on YouTube, you can find, like, a tester. <gasps> I would love to see that. I'll um, have to look that up after. Yes. Um, and then he died, and originally Mike Myers was, like, hesitant to take the part because he was a friend of Chris Farley's and yeah. thought it might be disrespectful and blah, blah, blah. But eventually they, he was like, no, like, we'll do it in homage to Chris Farley. And apparently all of Shrek's air quotes is a, an homage to Chris Farley in some way. Maybe oh. some character. I'm not, I'm not. I'm well, not. It, I don't want to come down on you. It's a very famous uh, okay, great. character that he does on SNL. Great. I'm not... We'll watch that after. I'm not an SNL historian by any means. Um, anyway, Janine Garofalo has said she's not sure... She was like, when Chris Farley died and they ended up recasting, they also were just like, you can go to Janine Garofalo. <laughs> and she said to this day, like, they were just like, we're, gonna, I guess, going to recast all of it. And to this day, she says she doesn't know why. That's so weird. Yeah. Because Janine... It's not like Janine Garofalo was, like, not a star. Yeah. I... I mean, she's not like Cameron. She's not Cameron Diaz, but like, I don't know. I, it seems like the um, like Chris Farley version, which was like a much lower budget, like yeah. lower key version, and so Janine Garofalo is like a comedic actress, not like a a star star. Maybe they felt they needed like once they upped the budget. Well, also uh, now that I'm thinking about it, I know Mike Myers was pretty much like, I don't like. Can you scrap? what you've done with the Chris Farley version. I think, and I read oh, that to mean okay. just as like animation. Uh-huh. Cause he didn't want to be like influenced by what he had seen of the Chris Farley animation, but maybe they were like, all right, clean slate. I mean, Everyone that, out. That is possible. Yeah. Yeah. It does sound like they made a lot of changes after. Yeah. But still they could have given Janine Garofalo a reason. Yeah. For real. <laughs> Justice for Janine. Yeah. As far as reception slash legacy, Specifically, this movie was the seventh highest grossing animated movie of all time, mm-hmm. which is, sounds high, but is the lowest of all the Shrek movies. Oh. Um, at its peak, sorry. So it might have been, it might have been surpassed by now. But okay. at its peak, it was the seventh yeah. highest grossing animated movie of all time, which is so impressive. And uh, Shrek, the original one peaked at fourth, Shrek 2 peaked at first, mm-hmm. and Shrek the third coincidentally, peaked at third. Hmm. So Shrek 2 was more popular than Shrek 1. Well, people... Peaked. Yes, people... I think... I mean, similar to, like, my dad, right? Who might, like, yeah. really liked Shrek and was like, we need to go see Shrek 2 in the theaters. But he definitely was not, like, running to see the first... A- this animated movie about that an That nobody knows yeah. about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Um, also, Shrek Forever After marks the first theatrically released quadricle... I guess that's what you call a fourth sequel. Quad- Quadricle. Quadricle? Quadricle. To an animal. Quadricle. Quadricle? Marks the fourth, the first time that a fourth installment in an animated series Quad- was released in theaters. Quadricle. I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm still on it. <laughs> um, oh, I forgot about this. Eddie Murphy says the Shrek series is among his best works. So, I mean, great. yeah, I agree. It's really good. He's very loose. He's very, like, in it. 
I love it. Very he also in. received a BAFTA nomination for his voiceover, which was <gasps> the first really? time that that had happened. It's a good performance. Yeah. <laughs> also, he deserves that BAFTA more than that guy in The Man with the Rain. Yeah, <laughs> very true. <laughs> um, also, Shrek has received his own star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame. What? Why? Do they give it to um, animated characters? They do often? in their Shrek. I-, I don't know. I, mean, I can look it up. What other uh, fictional characters? Animated character. Fictional or animated? I guess fictional. Yeah, let's find out about fictional. Well, it's not It's not a huge list. Donald Duck, like. Big Bird, The Simpsons. Alvin and the Chipmunks, Bugs Bunny. Godzilla. Godzilla. <laughs> Kermit the Frog, Mickey Mouse, Minnie Mouse, The Munchkins, The Muppets, Rugrats, Shrek, The Muppets the Simpsons, deserve it. Snoopy, Snow White, Tinkerbell, Winnie the Pooh, Woody Woodpecker. All right. Woody Woodpecker. Woody Woodpecker, please. And when two corporate entities have walks of, have stars in the Hollywood Walk of Fame. What Dis- the hell? Disneyland and General Motors. General Motors? In recognition of the vehicle's contribution to the film and television industry, having appeared in over 17, 1,750 movies and over 250 television series Who since controls the Walk of Fame? It's a great question. <laughs> Hollywood Chamber of Commerce and is maintained by the self-financing Hollywood Historic Trust. I, I feel like if you give them any amount of money, they will give you one. Apparently anyone can nominate a celebrity for a star, but the star must agree. Oh, okay. 25 fun facts about wow. the Hollywood Walk All right. Fame. We're going down this road. It's happening. <laughs> Though anyone, including a fan, can nominate his or her favorite celebrity for inclusion on the Walk of Fame, there's an entire application process that must include a letter of agreement from the nominee or his or her manager. So who wrote the letter of agreement for Shrek? Um, Donkey? <laughs> Of the approximately 24 stars dedicated each year, one is given posthumous, posthumously, posthumously, but only if the star in question has been deceased for a minimum of five years. Uh, so, so it's like uh, becoming a saint. Attending the star's unveiling is a requirement. So again, how did Shrek attend? <laughs> this is a very good question. The car I could see attending. <laughs> Shrek? No. Wow. Wow. So Mickey got the first star in 1978, and it wasn't until 2018 that Minnie Mouse got her star. Wow. That's sexism. Wow. More stars for women mice. Mice. (laughs) Ooh, four stars have been stolen. How fun. I would love... Let's steal a star, Paige. Let's steal Shrek's star. I would... Oh, my God. Can you imagine if we had Shrek's star? I would cry. That would be incredible. All right. Well... I don't know how Shrek attended. Shrek. I think we should probably get back to the podcast page. We're talking about Shrek. I don't think any of this is going to go in. Okay, it looks like he attended. Oh, I hate this. (laughs) Oh, if you want to look up this picture, maybe don't. (laughs) It's really horrible. This one's horrible. Oh, it's the worst thing I've ever seen. It's so bad. It's like a it's like a person in like a Shrek suit, but it looks like a wax figure Shrek, and it's very scary. Mike Myers. Who is he is holding? There. Mike oh, Myers. he's holding Mike Myers. <laughs> oh, I hate it. Hey, does Mike Myers have a Hollywood Walk of Fame star? Yeah, baby. But when? Before or after? Two thousand two. Okay. So it looks like before. When did Shrek get his star on? 2010. Okay, okay great. fine. All right. All right. We got to get back. Okay. Okay. The first Shrek 
was the first winner for the inaugural Best Animated Film category at the Academy Awards 2001. Oh, how fun. But Shrek 2 lost to The Incredibles in 2004. Much fair. And uh, unclear if Shrek 3rd or Shrek Forever After were even nominated. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. (laughs) Also, uh, as we have alluded to, Shrek was adapted into a stage musical in 2008. That's it. And it's still being performed (laughs) around the world. And it's great. It's some really good music. It's pretty fun. I have to say. Um, also, it's, this is our story. Paige likes it more than I do, um, but I, I enjoy it. Also, it's on Netflix. Yeah. And our friend Char- Charlie, who has been on the podcast, watched it once while high and got very, very freaked out. <laughs> so don't watch it while high. Yeah, don't do that. Oh, my God. <laughs> also, in 2020, the original Shrek, so recently, was, uh, the original Shrek was selected for preservation in the National Film Registry by the Library of Congress. Cool. Also, this was meant to be the last one. Seems like it was the last one. Definitely, yeah. It's called well, okay. Forever After. So, originally, there was supposed to be five. Oh. And this one was going to be called Shrek Goes Forth, which I think is funny. Like, he goes forth. forth. That's stupid. I think it's funny. Um, I don't think it's as good a name. But and but then they decided to make it the last one, and so they changed it. Um, but then in February 2014, uh, Katzenberg, who's someone, I don't know, producer, director, whatever, hinted that a fifth film still may be made. Um, he's like, we want the characters to have a little bit of time to rest, but there'll be another chapter in the Shrek series. Oh, so there is going to be another one? And in 2016, um, after NBC Universal purchased DreamWorks, uh, the president discussed plans to revive Shrek, and then The Hollywood Reporter cited sources that a fifth film was planned for a 2019 release, and in September 2016, Eddie Murphy confirmed that the film was expected to be released in 2019 or 2020, and the script had been completed. Um, In March 2017, asked about the script, uh, the alleged writer Michael, Michael McCullers, who also wrote the Austin Powers series, said it featured a pretty big reinvention for the film series. In November of Truck 20- in space. In November 2018, it was reported that Illumination CEO had been tasked by Universal Pictures to revive both the Shrek and Puss in Boots film series with the original cast potentially returning. So, question mark. So, question it mark. It could come back. Yeah. It seems like they're all down. All right. Fair enough. Let's do um, it. Also, there are a lot of, like, TV specials and Puss in Boots movies and stuff, and we haven't seen any of those, and they're not canon to me, so. I agree. (laughs) Uh, Some miscellaneous fun facts. In the audio commentary for the DVD release, director Mick Mitchell states Brogan, who is the hot ogre played by John Hamm, (laughs) was originally meant to be Prince Charming, the the villain from the Shrek 2 and Shrek the 3rd. Wait, what? Who, in this alternate timeline, had the same curse as Fiona. Oh. And they were going to name him Ginnemorich. That's stupid. Which is charming spelled backwards. Yeah, I guess they were like, all right, that's just a hat on a hat. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, so he would have like, would they have fallen in love because they had the same curse? Don't know. Okay. Because that feels complicated. Um, Also, Shrek means monster in Yiddish and is derived from the German word Shrek. I don't know. It looks the same. Stage is German's really good. I am German and Jewish. Um, which and your German's really good. The German word means terror or fright. Cool. 
Um, should we tell them about uh, getting Shrek'd? Sure, if you want. I'm at 45%, but go all right. for it. Well, all of your bullshitting about... Your, all, of your uh, go- all of your Googling about, like, oh, who's on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Go for it, Helena. And reading the entire Lore article. Lore is yours. Reading an entire article about the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Start to finish. And now you're like, no, you can't tell them about getting Shrek'd. You know what, Helena? If you feel like you need to tell them about getting Shrek'd, go for it. I'll just be sitting here. Before the Mike Myers uh, version takeover, Shrek was a low-budget film, and if you worked for DreamWorks and you did a bad job on a film, you would get sent to do Shrek, and it was called Getting Shrek'd. That's the end of the fun fact. Are you happy? No, I want more details. No, that's it. That's all the details. (laughs) Can we move on? I don't know if we can ever move on. (laughs) Magic, science, just a dream. DreamWorks. Just a DreamWorks. Just a DreamWorks. Um, so this is magic. It is mm-hmm. transactional magic. Pure magic. Midlife crisis magic. <laughs> um, Shrek uh, signs this contract. Magical contract. In, a, in magical ink. And uh, that's what sends him to the past. Mm-hmm. Um, he does not read said contract, which uh, I'm sure you were freaking out about as a lawyer. I mean, I'm I am a lawyer, but I also don't read the terms and conditions before I click the button all the time. So and that's also, how they get you. I I don't, honestly don't know if it was written in the contract which day he was taking. I, like, I don't it think did it seem was. like Streck was, was scanning the contract because there was nothing in the contract that would have told him what was about to happen. Right. No, that was intentionally left vague and open right. for Rumpelstiltskin to take. Yeah. So, so I think he did. He did. He like seemed to be skimming it while Rumpel was talking. Yeah, but he could have he could have looked for more for the loopholes a little harder. He signed that thing pretty fast. Well, he was having a crisis, and instead of talking to his wife or getting therapy, he was like, "I'm gonna do something rash or go on a vacation." He just wanted a vacation. Yeah, he did. Um, yeah, so yeah, magical contract. It's because he was having a midlife crisis, and he could have solved it by going on a vacation or like maybe being friends with other ogres or like. Just eat a person, and then you will be scary to the villagers no, again. No, but then he would have eaten a person, and that bad, would be You should bad. just pick a bad person. <laughs> we don't believe in capital punishment. He could eat, like, a cop. One of those witches, maybe? Yeah. Well, the witches aren't cops in the regular timeline, but yeah. Yes. Um, fair point. Uh, yeah, so it's pretty straightforward what the magic is, um, and, uh, of course, the true love's kiss thing is a pretty classic Shrek move. <laughs> I love how they're just like, yeah, that's how, ev- that's all, how all the right. plots end. Um, yeah, I don't think it comes up in the third one, but yes, in the first movie, the second movie, and the fourth movie, they need to do a true love's kiss in a certain <laughs> time. Well, I guess the first one, it's open-ended until she dies, but... I guess my biggest question about the time travel itself is how does it work for Rumpelstiltskin? Like, does he go back to the day that Shrek uh, was born and does he kill Shrek? Does he just, like, take that day out of existence magically and then he himself lives from that day until the point that Shrek gets to? Or does he take that day and then automatically get shot into this future Mm. that has been... Like, all the events that have happened that were a domino effect. Right. What happens mm. for him? 
I think Rumpelstiltskin can time travel. It seems like he has that ability. So I'm going to say he goes, my most likely is he goes back, he like magically takes the day. I don't think he has to go suffocate Baby Shrek. Okay, fair. I think he is like, okay, we're sending Shrek back in time and we're removing the day where Shrek was born. Mm Mm-hmm. But yes, then I think he must go back in time because Shrek goes back in time, right? It's not where we meet up with Shrek in the alternate timeline is not where Shrek is at his right. The same yeah, year. it's not the same the same year or the same day that he's on in the in the timeline that he leaves. Right. Um. But so yeah, Rumpelstiltskin must have gone back in time. You think he? But did he go back in time all the way to the day that Shrek was born and then live? from there or yes I think so you think so yes so that's my best guess yeah I mean there's really no way of knowing it's just um an interesting thing to think about I would mm-hmm. think that he would he would do that if he could because he would like to right. enjoy to... the process of like gaining all the power that he gains well he at least needs to go back far enough to when the king and queen sign away the, the kingdom also, when Shrek arrives, he says, oh, good, I've been waiting for us to meet again. Oh, okay. Which implies that it's, it's not just... It's been a long time. It's been a long time. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. All right, cool. Um, I do like that at one point, I forget if it's... I think it's Rumpelstiltskin. It might be Shrek, but I think it's Rumpelstiltskin says to Shrek when he's, like, explaining all this to him, how's that for a metaphysical paradox? That's nice. I like that. <laughs> um, we had some other questions, like... Regardless, even if this wasn't like a, even if this wasn't a trick, right? Even if it was just like, he lives this day, he, and he goes back and every, and whatever. What happens if he dies on this day? What happens if he kills someone? Do they come back? What day exactly is this? And the last question I think doesn't actually matter that much, but. What day is it? Yeah. It kind of does because, only because um, Fiona has like lived a whole different life I guess well here's my other question so in theory Rumpelstiltskin wants Shrek to not have been born because then the king and queen he won't rescue Fiona and the king and queen will sign the the contract the contract right what the contract was I will get your daughter out of the tower or I will get someone to rescue your daughter out of the tower if you give me your kingdom so what's unclear to me is so is he the reason that Fiona was able to escape on her own I think it's possible that he either didn't hold up his end of the bargain. I don't think that's possible. I think he, I think things, he has to do the thing. Right. I think he can do the thing in a twisty, mean, slimy way. Well, maybe he did that. Maybe he, maybe he like did something that allowed her to escape, Mm -hmm. but kept her curse on her. Like he didn't, he didn't end the curse. He just like allowed her to leave or something. Right. That's what I'm saying. So I think... He did some. He did some shady shit, right? Like maybe he, because the dragon's working for him in this alternate house. So maybe he just like brought the dragon. Yeah, to he his captured castle, the dragon and then she took could, her like, away, escape and her. then Fiona could just leave. Yeah, but she didn't. You know. Yeah. Okay. Ready? Yeah, I think so. Great. What have you done? So here's where we talk about any sort of consistency, plot hole, time, time, travel, ethics, real potpourri of (laughs) stuff yeah Um, yeah helena do you want to talk about your biggest inconsistency issue my biggest inconsistency is the goose what size is the goose 
Rumpelstiltskin has a pet goose. Yeah, and um, it, at times the goose is as large as a house. At times the goose seems to be the same size as Rumpelstiltskin. It's very confusing. Why do they keep changing the size of the goose? And it's never, there's never like a, check out my magical size changing goose. It seems like just a weird animation choice. Right, like it, it's not enough for it to be like, oh look, the goose is bigger now. It's more like, I'm fucking with your head. Yeah. <laughs> this goose is a slightly different size this, every time you see it. This goose is bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. Anyway, I was freaked out by it. I did not like it. Um, yeah, that's what I have to say about the goose. Yeah. It has really nothing to do with time travel, but it is a plot hole. Yes. Also, where did all these witches come from? There are a lot of witches in the alternate timeline. Maybe people are, you know, kind of persuaded to become witches because yeah, the witches, the witches have more power. Explained. It doesn't. It's not explained why they work for Rumpelstiltskin. It seems like they're coerced in some way, but not much. I mean, it seems like they have the power. Like they're witches, right? But isn't there a? Is there a moment? Am I making this up? Was there a moment where the witches were like, "We don't want to work for you," or am I making that up? Well, there was a moment where he threatens them with a with a cup of water. Because apparently they were okay. Melt. Yeah, so it's more like a it's like an environment of fear, but they are they are getting something out of it. Yeah, I mean, it's I a toxic workplace. It's a toxic workplace, but I think they're like they're like allowed to be in the castle and not be like starving on the streets. They're in like the upper echelon of people. But maybe, maybe they were. There were more people who were comfortable coming out as witches because it really seems like a prime example of like just turn on this one tiny man. Like, yeah, there's no so, reason like, for for this. Yeah, workers unite against boss. But uh, regardless, yeah. Also, but like we've seen in particular, I'm thinking of in Shrek the Third, which you haven't seen. Prince Charming tends to to do a usurp using all the like villains who hang out at the poison apple. Uh huh. And we see a couple witches amongst those, but just a couple. Well, I guess there were more just waiting, waiting in the wings and they're, you know, now they have power. They feel like they can roam the streets by themselves. One thing I will say is I felt like I wanted more like variety in the witch representation. Mm -hmm. Like they all looked the same. They all had like green skin and hook noses. And I was like, let's like mix it up a little bit. There are all kinds of witches. Why don't we like uh, get, you know... A, a short witch or a, a witch that has not green skin or, you know, there's just a lot of different kinds of witches that you see in all sorts of different uh, representations. So it just feels, feels mean yeah. to me. Also, we realized afterwards that some of the witches were voiced by very well-known people who were criminally underused. Oh, yes. It was pretty crazy. Um, the voices of the witches include Lake Bell, Kathy Griffin... And Kristen Schall? 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 I think Schall, yeah. Schall, who is very well known. Yeah. Um, I don't know why they didn't use those women more. And if they had made the witches, like, if they had made more variety in the animation of the witches, then we probably would have, uh, like, realized that those people were doing characters. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I didn't even, I couldn't even distinguish them. Yeah. It was, like, a very fun, obvious um, commentary commentary on corporate culture, though. Like, at one point, he's like, I have cupcakes. <laughs> now I'm going to yeah. berate you. Definitely. Um, uh, another issue that 
I took as far as like consistency is, you know, Rumpelstiltskin's like, aha, Shrek, I tricked you. I said I'd free all the ogres, but Fiona's not a true ogre. In my opinion, then, you should only be able to hold her prisoner during the day. At night, when she's an ogre, she should be free. That I think that's a really good point. Yeah. Um, also, I felt like in the first Shrek, um, they, Fiona wasn't, like, technically an ogre. They were just like, you are ogre-like. You look like an ogre? Yeah. Remember how in the first movie when he finds out, he, she... When he finds out that she's an ogre, he's like, well, I'm an ogre and you're kind of an ogre. Like, she's not actually an ogre. I mean, I think it's meant to imply that she is always kind of an ogre because, like, that's what they they bond over, like, doing, quote unquote, gross ogre stuff, right? Like, the burping and her, like, eating rats and, like... Well, okay, and here we come to the question of, like, what is an ogre and, like, also ogre culture. Right, nature versus nurture, right? Mm -hmm. Are ogres inherently like gross smelly mean scary or have they become that way because that's what society expects of them and has but like, also like it is that their culture right um which like we because shrek is the only ogre that we see throughout the entire series up to this point we don't really know what their culture is right uh, until this movie right is this when we should talk about that sure well i just really uh, even before, like, we got to the part where there were a bunch of ogres, um, it was, we were both like, if only he had community. Right. That was the thing where it, you know, he maybe needed a vacation, but also he just maybe needed ogre friends who are also, like, becoming parents to talk about how you balance all these aspects of who you are as an individual. We were also talking, even when we were watching the Shrek 2, about how... <laughs> It seems like Shrek's journey throughout all of these movies is trying to figure out how to balance who he is or, you know, who he was, felt who he was at his core for a very long time with, like, how to be a good partner or mm-hmm. father. Um, and basically, it's a very, it's like a, it's a building's roman of a story. He's coming, <laughs> he's coming into his own. He's just doing it a little older than... Um, it's very exciting to watch. Yeah. Um, also, um, sidebar, uh, is Shrek 2 a gay allegory? A coming out story? Discuss. Um, we don't have to discuss this now. I'm just uh, putting it out there for everyone to think about if you decide to watch Shrek 2. Yeah, I think mainly just the, like, her parents aren't expecting her to be an ogre and come home with an ogre, and then she does. Yeah. And wants to be accepted. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um... So yeah, I, I don't disagree that yep. that is, is, but yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, community, and he seems so happy, I mean, relatively happy, right? Because he's sort of freaking out about the whole he's about to die and he needs to find Fiona stuff. But like, there it does seem to be a moment of wonderment, at least, when he finds this underground group of ogres, um, and the whole time we were like, wow, I hope if he goes back to his regular life, like he still connects with some ogres. Yeah, he better take this, le- like, this is the lesson. And if he doesn't take this lesson, we're going to be mad. Right. And it's not just, is- like, you don't appreciate what you have. That's not the lesson. The lesson is you need community. Yeah, I mean, I think they're both lessons. I think the movie is fronting harder, like, appreciate what you have, be there for your wife. Um, But also, we were taking, like, 
solidarity, community is very important. And also, they call each other comrades in this yeah. movie, which is <laughs> great. Like, the politics of this movie, pretty good. Yeah, honestly, kind of kind of great. We were, we were psyched about it. I have one more plot hole question. Mm-hmm. Do you have more before then, though? Because mine's silly. Um, no, I don't. I thought I, I thought that the time travel was actually pretty simple. Cause yeah, because it was just magic. Magic and, like, straight up shot into an alternate timeline. Yes, and, like, Rumpelstiltskin explains to Shrek what the technicality was that sort of fucked it all up. Right, yeah. yeah. There are a lot... This movie really also... Uh, another lesson from this movie is, like, semantics, words, language all matter there's yeah. so many technicalities like <laughs> the technicality of the contract the technicality of shrek being able to turn himself in to get a wish like yeah honestly it's a it's a lawyer's movie it is if shrek had a lawyer this movie like i was thinking like when he was signing the contract or like when he gets you know locked up with fiona and like someone needs to be there to say excuse me rumpelstiltskin this lady <laughs> needs to be let out until sunrise thank you yeah um I wish you had been there for him. Yes, thank you. I'm surprised there aren't there isn't like a lawyer allegory. That would be a fun character. They yeah. they do that. They do so many of those. They yeah. definitely could have done that one. Um, maybe there is in the second or third movie that or the first one. I'm not that, that I'm not remembering. Anyway, uh, my last plot hole question is something that I've been wondering since I was pretty young <laughs> and saw any of these movies. How do Donkey and Dragon have sex? And conceive their their mutant little dragon babies. Well, I mean, I think it's pretty easy. In if donkey is inseminating dragon, how hard can that be? I mean, she could crush him. Yeah, but I think they account for that. You know what I mean? But she wouldn't feel it. Like it doesn't seem satisfying. How do to you her. know what's satisfying to her? Okay. Also, you don't know what kind of you know like toys and aids they use like they might they might have all sorts of things it's not just donkey pee and dragon v i can't believe i'm saying this um one of my favorite lines from the movie is um you know because shrek is trying to explain to donkey what life was like back in the regular timeline and that he married dragon and they have donkey dragon babies and donkey asks at another random point now when they're talking about this are my baby mutants cute or do they make people uncomfortable? <laughs> I like them. Yeah. Also, um, Paige pointed out that uh, Dragon's a very useful friend to have because mm-hmm. everyone was riding on her to get to far, far away. And uh, I was like, that's you, Paige. Because we drive in her car all the time. Yes, because I have a car in New York City. I am basically a flying, fire-breathing dragon. She is. Um, those are my favorite mythical creatures and you know very defiantly i would say for a long time i was like when someone's like what's your favorite animal i was like dragons i love that for you (laughs) but until like college like too old (laughs) um okay all right are we ready does their love stand the test of time yes Yes, for the first time in a long time we can say Absolutely. Absolutely. There was a moment when, at, like, at the end where it seems like it's not going to work. Yeah. And I was truly like, oh my god, what if Shrek died? And this this is how this ended. I know that it's a children's movie, but there was a big part of me that was like, 
oh my god, this is deeply sad. Because I wanted them to be together so bad. Yeah. And also, like, again, when we started watching Shrek 2, the uh, opening scene of Shrek 2 is there after Prince Charming tries to rescue from the tower. We then cut to their honeymoon, set to the County Crows accidentally in love, as we've been singing. And it's just, like, a really beautiful montage. It's really nice. Um, They... Yeah, and and it's and it's, so it's hard because this movie starts with them in a really low place. Like I, I love it, that it's they, a little hard to watch. Yeah, I love that they like talk to marriage counselors because yeah, it's clear that. Um, I mean, and we can talk about this more in the feminism section. It's clear that there uh, is sort of a disconnect in how they are feeling about their domestic life, mm-hmm. um, and instead of communicating, Shrek sort of gets mad and mad and like holds it all in and then like explodes on Fiona. Um, who makes some excellent points back to him, which again, we can get into in the yeah. session. <laughs> but, so it's like, at the beginning of the movie, we were like, oh, maybe, whatever. But by the end, they've like fallen back in love and, and Shrek says, right before he, you know, fake dies, he says, do you know what the best part of today was? I got the chance to fall in love with you all over again. Oh, so sweet. Also, you know what I liked? And actually, I feel kind of two ways about this. Um, He falls in love with her all over again, and it is her. It's like a potential version of her. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a a different person. She's like leading a revolution. Right. um, Which she's obviously capable of. Like we all, Mm -hmm. the fact that she's doing that is not like unbelievable to people who know her as a character. Right. Um, But also, like, I feel kind of sad for the Fiona that he goes back to because she doesn't get to like, and, but, and I wonder how that's going to affect their relationship going forward. But to be fair, that is the Fiona he originally fell in love with, right? One of, of the course, yeah. one of the big moments on their journey in the first movie is when they're attacked by Robin Hood. Oh yeah, that's true. And, and Fiona does kicks of... all their asses mm-hmm. while Shrek gets hit by an arrow. Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. That's that's true. That's fair. Um, Which is why, again, and like in families and stuff, like we can talk about like the things she's had to give up to become this more. Domestic. Domestic wife. Yeah, that's a fair point. Um, but she's now crying about it. Um, yeah. Yeah. But um, but he also at the end says, um, I, I, and I can't remember if this is in the alternate timeline or when he goes back to the original timeline, he says, he acknowledges, sorry, I wasn't there for you. Even like when he was physically there, he like realizes he was not emotionally. Yeah, he was there not being emotionally present because he was wrapped up in his own uh, masculinity crisis. Yeah, and when he goes back to the original timeline, he says, "You know, I know you think I rescued you from the tower, but it was you who rescued me." <laughs> I can't. It's so sweet. It's... He's just like so such a, a a gentle. Once he like, you know, can peel back. Can peel his onion toxic layers. layers. He is a very soft man. Yeah, it's and nice. it's it, like I feel like that's you always. That's always the goal, right? Like you always like the the reward of him being sweet is like so much better because he's a big scary ogre man, <laughs> and we have to like work for it. It's better as a character development. As a character development. Right. I'm not saying that as a partner. Not in not in life, but right. in in a in a movie, in an animated movie. It's yeah. yeah. Um and he he really has he really just has these sides of himself that are warring and it's uh you know. Yeah. It's deep. Yeah. But he does try to surprise kiss her. 
Even if you are married in yeah. alternate timeline, no surprise kisses. Definitely not. Um, he's very, he has no game also. No. <laughs> he has zero game. So he, cause he's like, well, this is my, like, I can't imagine if I like saw my spouse, even in an alternate timeline, it'd be like, well, I'm not gonna, what it, I'm not gonna hit on this person. Like, this is my, you know what I mean? Yeah, of course. Well, I think there would be the thing of like, I want to be super close to you and I have this. Yes. There would be the initial like, oh my God, it's you. Thank goodness. And yeah. then you would be like, oh no, you don't know who I am. We have right. to back it up. Yeah, he doesn't get it. And he makes a lot of panic choices. Like, he could just be like, hey, I know this thing you've told me. Like, your favorite color is this. You do this. You blah, blah, blah. Which he does at the very end, but it takes him so long to like, figure that out (laughs) um yeah yeah instead he does a lot of weird stuff yeah and kind of harasses her a little bit but then he becomes like uh i and i wrote this down i'm not sure i don't think it's a quote from the movie (laughs) he became sort of charming in a pathetic way um and i think i put it in quotes because it reminded me of when uh our friend from college um, I don't know if you remember this, like freshman or sophomore year, Jacob said that about me. <laughs> He's like, you're charming in a pathetic kind of way. Oh no. <laughs> or maybe he said you're pathetic in a charming kind of way. Which one's better? Um, I think charming in a pathetic way is better. Okay. Let's say it was that one. <laughs> Which I think is accurate. <laughs> or at least, you know, was at the time. Um... Anyway, so I related to Shrek in that moment. I also have no game. <laughs> we can't all be straight haired Helena in a bar. Straight haired Helena in a straight bar. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, so I personally, like, I find a lack of game much more charming. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, it definitely is, you don't want people to be, like, pickup artists. Like, that's right. not charming. But you do want, um, I don't know, if you're under a time crunch and need to make someone fall in love with you... <laughs> Having yeah. zero game, maybe not the best. But it turns you out can't, you can't just, really do the slow burn yeah, if you have a time true. crunch. Yes, in the first movie, they have like a lot of time that they spent together walking through the woods. Right, which is also why I really love the love story in that because yeah. it's very like we we get why they fall in love. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. Um, yeah, and also, um, it doesn't help that like Fiona in this. Like, Fiona's super hot. Oh, my as God. This warrior queen. So hot. And John Hamm is somehow hot as an ogre. It's very rude that he is an ogre and he's still hot. I know that they, like, did that on purpose, but also. So, anyway, I hope before Shrek showed up in alternate timeline, Fiona got to have sex with John Hamm because. I feel like she, she did. That. And you know what? I bet she was like, I tried like kissing someone to see if like it would work and it mm. didn't and like I'm still an ogre and gotcha. yeah then they had like a lot of like very steamy uh very like like coming from kind of a dark place sex mm. well I think all sex during, when you're like in an underground rebellion so you don't become a slave is probably like stemming from a dark place yeah definitely for sure um and also we talked we talked about community and I think it's important to mention that like no matter how much your love stands the test of time, no matter how true your love is, Mm -hmm. you cannot make your partner the only peer in your world. Like, yeah, that is a recipe for disaster. I think a lot of people have learned that lesson during COVID. Yes. (laughs) Um, (laughs) you can't, yeah, you still need like friends. You can't. 
And, and friends who understand right. what you're going through and where you've come from. Um, I think that is perfectly demonstrated by the fact that, once again in this movie, Donkey saves the day um, by, by telling him about the telling him about the escape clause and like showing him how to find it. Mm-hmm. I think in every movie in some way, it's some scene, no matter how annoying he is, Donkey saves the day, which just proves that Shrek can't do this on his own. It's true. And I do think it's a really beautiful thing that we do see growth where like in the first and even like the second movie, Shrek was very much like, I do things on my own. I maybe will open up to Fiona, but that's it. But like in this one, I think I wrote this down too. He does, he knows, he has learned how to ask for help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, isn't he like, I gotta find Donkey? Well, he finds Donkey by accident. He but finds Donkey like, by I need accident. Don- I need yeah. Donkey's gonna he help me. needs Donkey to help him instead of like run right. away from him. Mm-hmm. Tells Donkey he needs his help. We also see him like cry. And this is apparently the first time we've ever seen Shrek cry oh, in really? all the four films. Oh. Yeah. Um, when he's holding the sweetest little toy for his baby girl. Oh my god. My heart. Um, yeah, and so I just think this movie is, it's about true love, but it's also about, like, love in many forms, right? Like, he also realizes not just that he has a wife that he, that loves him and, like, kids that he loves, it's just, like, he goes back and he sees, like, all of his fairy tale creature friends and is, like, yeah, I have a lot of love in my life. And then in the post credit scene, we presumably you see that he's now friends with all these ogres even though it's a little confusing because they all look like they did in the alternate timeline so i'm like did you where did you find these people or are you just is this just like a a, a movie device i think would you mean like they they dress the same and everything yeah well i feel like shrek still dresses the same and like shrek the way shrek dresses is like the way ogres dress okay fair so enough. that's just like so where do you think they found all these ogres i don't know that's a very good question um Maybe Shrek, like, knew where to find the ogres all along, but he was just, like... Like a loner. Pushing away community for some reason. Or possibly, Because part of his personality, even after he married Fiona, was like, I hate everyone else. I'm alone. Right. I need alone time. Which, like, I think he probably does need alone time. Yeah. But I think it's also really great that he was able to find community specifically with ogres. Because Mm -hmm. even though he does have all this love in his life and all those elements and people and uh, fairy tale creatures are important like I think it's also significant that he needed ogre friendships mm-hmm. um because the others could not understand what he was going through yeah for sure and not only like ogre friendships but maybe like ogre parent friendships or like even other parents because I mean well, again he's a parent <laughs> oh that's true <laughs> That's true. But Donkey, I don't think... He and Donkey have a beautiful, complicated relationship. Oh, they did. I don't think it's going to be And it doesn't here. denigrate the relationship between him and any of these other characters. Right. It's just like, sometimes people need to be in community with other people who have gone through the same systemic oppression or have the same culture as them or any number of things that, that mm-hmm. can't be like defined or replaced. Like, maybe the wolf needs to find a, a genderqueer community. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, we're sort of already, we're, we're leading ourselves into ladies. Did we just time travel back to the 1950s? Um, so, you know, all these ideas of community and comradeship and the like are, uh, all important for the intersectional feminism. Um, 
But let's talk about like straight up feminism for a second. The movie opens and we are led to believe that Fiona is perfectly happy with their very boring domestic life. And just like the overall message seems to be women are happy with domestic life, only men are bored. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely um, very split down gender lines. Although we have to remember that this is Shrek's movie, so we Mm -hmm. probably are not seeing whatever frustrations Fiona is going through, which is not fair. Right, which is not fair. Part of the reason, like, we're not seeing them because Shrek's not seeing them. Because probably Shrek is not paying attention. Right, or like asking her, or like telling her about his frustrations. It would be nice if we saw a little bit of that on the other end. Yes. Um, like on at the end of the movie, right. like seeing that Shrek wasn't yeah. paying attention to the ways in which Fiona's unhappy. Yeah, I mean, he says a lot of nice things to her, and I mean, we sort of get that in the fight they have that Rumpelstiltskin witnesses the beginning, where where he's sort of finally voicing some of his frustrations in like the worst way possible because yeah, yeah they're in a fight, mm-hmm. and she seems like to be like. Obviously, like, I am also dealing with things. Um, Also, I thought it was a really key moment where he says something like, you couldn't understand you spent, you know, half your life in a palace or something. And she says, and the other half locked away in a tower. Yeah. Her trauma is way worse than yours, bro. Yeah, yeah. He, the, the lack of empathy for what she's gone through, um, was, was pretty blatant. Right. And I'd love to, I like to, I'd like to believe that, like, that's not usually the case, right? That usually, like, he, yeah, they've no, talked usually about they've it talked and he about usually it. is, because even in the second movie we were just watching, he says to her dad, one of the first things he says to her dad is, like, you kept her locked nice, away. Yeah, in nicer words, pretty fucked up that you locked your daughter in the tower. <laughs> um, yeah, it's very fucked up. The whole thing. Yeah. So, you know, and I get, like, he's been ostracized from society his whole life. His dad tried to eat him. Like, he has his own shit. But, like, to pretend, to not, like, acknowledge that her spending most of her childhood alone, locked in a tower without any, like, with... We see later um, when he goes to the tower that she's been, like, etching tallies in the wall. Yeah, she's a prisoner. Yeah, it's it's pretty messed up. Also, prisons are messed up. Yeah. So, let's abolish those. Anyway, I'm glad that in the alternate timeline we get to see Fiona be, like, a fully realized warrior queen. Yes. Um, and say she saved herself. She did. Um, I think that's pretty cool. Uh, I also like that, um, the, one of the messages of the film seems to be, uh, nothing sexier than class solidarity. Yes. Um, because the moment when Fiona, like, actually falls in love with him is when he, like, frees all the ogres and, like, does a selfless thing for the good of his people. Yeah. (laughs) So, that's pretty fun. Yeah, nothing sexier than class solidarity. And long flowing locks. I mean, definitely. Um, I don't know if this really fits feminism, but I just want to say that I think this franchise has a real problem with short guys. Hmm, <laughs> interesting. Yeah, Lord Farquaad and Rumblestillskin. Uh, Rumblestillskin. Both yeah, very short. That's true. Yeah. Um, it's hmm. a, I mean, it definitely, like, for all... It's interesting because for all the commentary on masculinity that it does, yeah. uh, it also, like, kind of does them dirty uh on that mm-hmm. on that account and like on and on other ones although i will say i think it's an interesting commentary that they uh well not rumble as much but lord farquaad it is like 
constantly implied that the reason he's so bad to his people and like also has this huge tower and like needs to put on all these airs is because he's so insecure with his shortness, which I think in a way is again, a comment on toxic masculinity, right? Like is like, if he was fine with his shortness, it wouldn't be an issue. The right, issue but that, it's also a stereotype no, of it's, short guys. It's, yes, it's more for comedic effect than anything else. Yeah. Um, it's not, like, handled very... Uh, <laughs> no. Lightly. Um, but uh, the other thing is, the other, like, masculine uh, comment that I think is interesting is that Shrek's greatest wish, he goes to Rumpelstiltskin to get his greatest wish, and his greatest wish is to cause terror for a day. Um, which I know is an ogre quality, but it is like, oh, yikes. Cause terror. I think it, I think cause terror and also like be alone. Yeah. Like he just wants a vacation. Being alone sounds good. And I know that like, that's just like the joke Mm -hmm. of what, like one of the funny things that ogres like to do, but it is funny that like, and again, deal with your shit. If your if your favorite activity activity is scaring people. Scaring people. And again, all of it's posturing, right? Like even when we meet him in the first one, yeah. there's never a chance that he's actually going to eat somebody or no. like whatever. And so it, it's interesting because again, it's a, it's a comment on nature versus nurture or nature versus culture, whatever you want to call it, where you know, who knows where that that wish comes from, right? Like we all want to go back to what's familiar when things are hard. Yeah. So I don't even know if it's so much that he misses terrorizing people or just like misses knowing what his role is and what he's good at yeah yeah mm-hmm. we already talked about the witches and the fact that uh yes <laughs> they're cops <laughs> yes um yeah uh feminism is not more lady cops no thank you very much but i don't think the movie would say that <laughs> no but i think just i just think it needs to be it said. needs to be said <laughs> oh i did want to say also so at one point we were like, are there only male ogres? Because it looks like there's only male ogres. To be fair, Jane Lynch is one of the like three main ogres we talk to. Yeah, but we barely see her. Right. And she doesn't look that different from the male ogres. Whereas Fiona looks very different from right. the male ogres. I the, thought that's weird. It was weird. And also like I made the joke that, half joke, half not joke, um, that she really... Uh, she really embraced the the feminism of like the lean in mentality of the Sheryl Sandbergs of the world, where uh-huh. she was like, "I will climb to the top in this male dominated ogre society, <laughs> and not and then like and not care and still like per- perpetuate this this uh, um, misogynistic excluding females army." Yeah, yeah, definitely. I w- I wish they had been they had included more representations of yeah. female ogres. Yeah. There was no reason why they shouldn't. You're right. It also, like, made it even creepier when Shrek was, like, hitting on... Not creepier. But I'm sure it also made it creepier to her when Shrek was hitting on her because she's also, like, I am the only, the only option. Yeah. <laughs> Except for Jane Lynch, but also, like, we we didn't we really, really see her. Lynch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Again, a- another criminal underuse of Jane Lynch. Yes. Agreed. Um, But also... The ogres danced to the Pied Piper song, and that was very fun. Delightful. I loved watching. For some reason, it really tickled me when all of the ogres were dancing in unison to this flute music. I can't explain it. I was just like, this is great. I'm so happy. Yeah. Okay. All right. (laughs) Is it the best of times or the worst of times? Here's where we talk about if you should watch it, in what context. We also rated on our doomsday clock. 
from noon to midnight, noon being gouge your eyes out and put them in a cocktail for a martini for Shrek and Rumpelstiltskin <laughs> to drink. Whose eyeballs were those? We don't know. Uh, midnight is you should go watch it right now forever all the time. Helena, your thoughts? Um, I'm going to put this one at 11. <laughs> I had a really good that. time. I mean, it's yeah. not the best Shrek mu- movie, so that's why it's not 12. Like, mm-hmm. Shrek 1 is is a midnight. Like, it's a great movie. I, yeah. I, it's just like a... Shrek 2 also. Undeniably a wonderful movie. I haven't seen Shrek 3 recently enough to comment, but it is rated rated the lowest on Rotten Tomatoes. The, the reason I, I'm not rating... Like, the reason it, it doesn't quite uh, get to midnight for me is that there's like... It feels like a little bit like that superhero movie vibe where there's like a few too many plot points. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I enjoyed it. I had a very good time. Yes. Um, I It put me on to remembering how good Shrek is. Um, yeah, I think you should watch it and enjoy. Great. Yeah, I agree. I think it's really funny. Like, we laughed out loud. Um, yeah, a lot. <laughs> yeah, just this movie is, is very fun and funny and holds up. Um, and has decent politics, especially it's 2010. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, I also was delighted to be reminded of the Shrek series and how good it is. Great soundtrack. All of them have great soundtracks. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I would recommend watching it. I'd recommend watching all four. Do a, do a movie marathon. Yeah. yeah. Go crazy. Uh, yeah. I what else say- are you doing? Come on. Um, I, yeah, I was, I guess it's not the best of the Shrek movies, but I also like, I don't know. They all bring something to the table. They all add a new layer of like fairy tale parody that is fun. Um, and John Hamm is a hot ogre. So what more can you want? I also just feel like for what it is, it's so good. Like, right. Yeah. Like you're this not is like a children's movie. This is a children's movie. Like it's not the greatest movie of all time, but it like no. is very good for what it is. So I rate yeah. it on its own scale. Yes. I also, we, there is a chance we're grading on a curve because I had such a better time with this movie than like a lot of movies we've seen. Recently. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, this is just like a fun movie to watch. It didn't feel like a slog to to watch or to talk about, I guess, except for Helena when I was Googling. You did so much Googling. The Hollywood Walk of Fame facts. Um, but I need to know how Shrek has a Hollywood walk. How did he, how did he write the letter agreeing to apply for it? Um, and we still don't have answers we, on that. Yeah. Someone tell us. Shrek, if you're listening. Um, and yeah, I would give this, um, I was going to go like 10, but I'm going to meet Helena. I'm going to do 11. It's a good time. Why not? We, I mean, we were inspired to just start watching all of them. So I, I don't know. You, if you don't like this, like, what do you like? You know what yeah. I mean? Like, you're going to be that much of a downer. Eddie Murphy agrees this is his best <laughs> A lot of fun celebrity cameos, both celebrity in the sense of like voice actors that you're like, oh my God, it's Ryan Seacrest. And also like, you're like, Oh my god, it's the Pied Piper. I remember that guy from my childhood. Yeah, that's true. That's a good you know? point. Yeah. It's like double layer. stories that you you uh, weren't thinking about anymore, stuff like yeah. that. Definitely. Although I could have used more, um, like we didn't really, we only saw like Pinocchio, Gingy, all of them in passing. Oh yeah, I, I love those guys. I love those guys too. Mm-hmm. Pinocchio has a lot of great scenes in Trek the Third. So. Yeah. 
Um, we, we only saw them, like, as part of this new dark reality where they were basically, like, all slaves of some variety. Very sad. Um, somebody eats Gingy, which is very dark. Puss in Boots eats Gingy. Oh. <laughs> I forgot. Yeah, Puss in Boots is, this is not Puss in Boots' finest work. As no, a it's not. He's very fat. Um, oh, not that we're body shaming. No, he's just, like, a real, he's a real fat cat. Yeah, he's enjoying his life, but just don't eat your friends. Don't eat your friends. Okay. All right. Well, we did it. We did it. With that, we'll we'll be be back back in no time at all. Tell me what's the problem, baby. What's the problem? I don't know. Well, maybe I'm in love, love. Think about it every time I think about it. Can't stop thinking about it. Uh-huh. Come on, come on. Turn a little faster. Come on, come on. The world will follow after. Come on, come on. Everybody's after love. We're accidentally in love.